0: Sign up today at butcherbox.com/etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money and today we're talking another episode on answering your listener questions. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. All right, so thanks to everyone who has submitted a listener question. They're starting to pile up, and I like to try and answer, you know, maybe like two to three at a time so that you don't get totally overwhelmed with listener questions, but I just want to thank you again for sending them in. If you have a listener question, please don't be afraid to ask it. There are really no dumb questions And, um, if you're worried about saying your name, just let me know. And I can go ahead and, you know, make up some cool alias name for you. So don't worry about that. Um, and don't, again, don't worry about asking a silly question because there really are none and everybody can learn from all of these awesome questions. So you can head over to the website, go to the contact section, and you can go ahead and send me a note and let me know what your question is and happy to dish about it on the podcast. So we actually just passed 200 episodes on the podcast. In February, it will be our second year anniversary, so we're going to be doing some fun anniversary podcasts. And I honestly cannot believe it's been two years. This has been quite a journey. Uh, podcasting, I have so loved being able to you know, bring all these cool people to you, all these cool companies, and certainly to be able to share any knowledge or any insight that I have as well to help you on your money and life journey. Cause it's just, it's not just all about dollars and cents here. I really want to, you know, teach you about all different aspects of money, the emotional side, um, obviously the practical side, but then also the lifestyle side. Like how do we have some like totally kick butt, you know, lives. I mean, how do we go out there and accomplish these dreams and all the things that we really want to do with seemingly kind of like the world against us, right? Low salaries, the stock market, um, it's kind of up and down. Uh, People are getting laid off right and left. Uh, You know, there's all sorts of things happening out there in the world. So Um, Again, I just thank you guys so much for listening. Please uh, do me a favor and share the podcast with a few of your friends. Help the podcast grow. That helps us to be able to get more opportunities and to get in front of, um, you know, cool people and, and to keep spreading the word of millennial money. So let's dive into our listener questions. Our first is from Robert. And he said, I'm really having a tough time figuring out how am I supposed to break up my paycheck? I know that I'm only supposed to spend, you know, a certain amount on certain things, but I just don't really know how to do it. Could you give me an example? If let's say I took home $5,000 in income, how in the world should I break up my paycheck? That's a great question, Robert. And um, I can really give you kind of like a schematic for breaking up your paycheck. But, but there are some places where, you know, this may ebb and flow. So depending on, your own individual situation, all of you that are listening to the podcast as well, I can kind of give you guidelines for how I would suggest breaking up your paycheck. And then, you know, you can figure out like where on that range would you be depending on your lifestyle and where you live and what you like to do and all of those sorts of things. But it can also be like a fun test for you to figure out like, okay, where am I maybe going way over on these percentage or maybe where am I doing great, right? So we've talked a lot about, you know, different ways to kind of slice and dice your budget on this podcast. And one of the popular methods actually was first talked about by Elizabeth Warren, And she talked about the 50-30-20 budget system, which is 50% of your take-home pay goes to your needs and your must-have. So these are things that you absolutely, absolutely have to pay. And I would include food in that, not going out to eat, but obviously going to the grocery store because we all got to live, we all got to eat good food, not good food, right? We all can live live on mac and cheese, but we all got to eat something to survive. So no more than 50% of your take-home pay should go to that. 30% 30% should go to your wants, which include things like, you know, vacation, eating out, entertainment, uh, I don't know, your subscriptions, your Uber fare, um, you know, concert tickets, all of those sorts of things obviously go under wants. And then 20% to debt and savings. And I, I sort of agree with this. Um, I like where this methodology is going. The problem is, is that if we do the 50%, we do the 30%. By the time we get to the 20%, most of us don't have anything left. And this is the reason why we're either not saving as fast as we would like or not paying off debt. So I really think that the model should be 50%, you know, for the needs, must haves, then I think it should really be 20% for your debt and, and your saving. And hopefully, that 20% can all go towards savings and that, you know, you have just a very small portion of that actually going towards debt. And then the last 30%, then we get to, you know, all the fun things that you want to do in life. But I think when you kind of have it the other way around, it's super easy to fall into the trap of, you know, 50% is for your needs and must haves. And then, you know, um, 48 or 49% or for your wants. And then you've got maybe like one or 2% left over. And you're like, all right, I'll throw this on the credit card. All right, I'll throw this, you know, extra payment towards my student loans or whatever maybe, and then nothing happens. And every month, you get more and more frustrated because the debt keeps growing, or the savings doesn't grow, you just keep chipping away at it. You know, I, I think it's really interesting um, and, and don't get mad at me if, if you're this person, because there's a remedy for it, but I work with a lot of people where, uh, we'll look at their savings account, right? Like we'll track their savings account. And what I find it's really cute. Cause like, it'll go up by $400 and then I'll watch it like throughout the month. And then it kind of goes back down to around like five or $10 and then it will go back up and then it will come back down. So it's not really actually savings at all. It's just actually like this, side slush fund that someone has put aside. And, you know, you keep kind of dipping into that and bringing it back into your checking account. And so you actually don't have any savings. So I find it really, really, it's, it's very endearing to me because um, I get lots of like justification, like, well, you know, I keep trying and I keep this and I keep that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Let's just figure out how we can actually like put the 400 aside and like keep the 400 growing by 400 every month. So by at the end of the year, we've got like at least a couple thousand dollars sitting in there and we're not having to dip into it. I mean, that that's really how we create like the great savings habit. But anyway, I digress. So we're talking about, Robert, we're talking about $5,000, all right? So this is $5,000 take-home pay. This is after you've paid taxes out of the money whatever else whatever else may be so this is how I would suggest slicing and dicing your paycheck so the largest percentage 30 to 35 percent is for housing um, and so this would be about fifteen hundred bucks of that five thousand dollars rent mortgage um, all of those sorts of things right and that actually is a really big percentage if you can keep your housing down, you know, 20 to 25%, you're doing really good, put that extra money into savings. Okay, 15 to 20% on transportation. So that would be about $750. And this is not just your car payment. So this is, you know, your car payment, this is gas. Um, this maybe is maintenance for your car um, you know, insurance for your car, all of those sorts of things. And if you live somewhere where you don't have a car and maybe you have a Metro pass or a bus pass, or you take a subway, whatever it may be, you know, you can stay within the same guidelines. You may be a little less, you know, you may be spending less on transportation, which is good. You could just allot that money towards another category. Um, and then 10 to 20% on food. So, I'm gonna estimate low, so that would be about you know five hundred to a thousand bucks. Five to fifteen percent on debt payoff, so that would be about two hundred fifty bucks a month. Five to ten percent on free money, so free spending, however the heck you want to spend this money. That'd be about two hundred fifty dollars. Five uh, to ten percent on clothes, another two hundred and fifty, and that might seem like a lot to some people, and to others it might not seem like enough. <laughs> um, so if you don't spend money on clothing, again, just take that two hundred and fifty and reallocate it somehow. Five to ten percent on savings, that'd be five hundred five hundred dollars. Again, I think that's a little low, but if you are already putting money towards your four hundred and one k and and that's already coming out of your paycheck, then you know perhaps another 5% that you're saving on the side is is good enough. Uh, 5% for utilities, that's $250. And 3% on medical. Again, um, this is for all sorts of things like copays and prescriptions and all that silly stuff. That's about $150. So if we're working under those guidelines, at the end of the month, that's about $4,400 out of our $5,000. So we got about $600 buffer there. That's good news, right? So we could do a lot with our $600. We can obviously save more. Uh, maybe we could put more in our food budget. Maybe $500 is just not enough. Um, all sorts of things we can do. Maybe we put it into some sort of you know travel fund um, or we, we bump up our 401k contribution percentage, whatever it may be. But that should give you a little bit of a guideline to at least figure out uh, you know, where you would fall. And again, your, your take-home pay number is probably gonna be obviously different than $5,000, but you can use the percentages as guidelines for where you should land, all right? So hopefully that helps you, Robert, at least to figure out kind of how to begin slicing and dicing your paycheck. Okay, question number two is from Sarah, and she says, Ugh, it's January. That means I'm already starting to get W-2s and 1099s. That means that tax time is right around the corner and it totally stresses me out. I really don't like this time of the year, but I know I've got to do it. Yes, you do have to do it, Sarah, unfortunately. So her question is, what do I need to do to file an extension on my taxes? Well, it's easy to to file an extension on your taxes and um, that would extend your filing deadline until October 15th of this year for your 2016 taxes. Um, I will go ahead and include in the show notes a link to the form that you would actually need to fill out for the extension and you can certainly do it you just have to have paid whatever you owe so if you owe any money of taxes if you're self-employed or anything like that you just need to have paid your taxes by April 15th so The filing extension doesn't extend your deadline to pay your taxes. Um, If you do end up owing money, you will pay interest on, you know, whatever that balance amount is that you owe from April to October. But you can certainly file an extension. Um, There are lots of reasons why people do this. Sometimes, you know, I don't know, April is a busy month for their job and they just can't get everything together. Um, maybe you didn't get a 1099 or a W-2, and so things are kind of held up for you. Or maybe you just don't really want to think about it until October. There are, there are lots of different reasons. So um, you can certainly do it. There's no limit to the amount of times that you can file an extension. I'm not a C- CPA. I'm not an accountant. I don't play one on TV. Um, so, you know, if you have any particular questions about your own situation, you definitely would want to um, you know, buzz up a, a CPA or an accountant or go to a, a local office near you and, um, and ask a particular question. There are a ton of resources online now. So getting answers for your tax questions actually is, is perhaps easier than it's ever been. I don't know if you're going to get the right answers, but um, that's really why I suggest working with a CPA or an accountant to help you there. All right. Our last question comes from Rob and Camilla. And Camilla says, so here's the problem. My husband and I listen to all your podcasts and we love all of the couple strategies. Thank you so much. You've really helped us figure out how to set up our our personal finances as a couple. But let's get real. We still fight about money and we fight about money a lot and we never can figure out a good way to get over those fights about money. Can I ask you a personal question? How do you and your husband fight about money, or more importantly, how do you solve your money fights? (laughs) This is a great question, Camilla and Rob, and um, it's definitely a loaded question. Anybody who's listening who's in a relationship knows that just when you feel like you've got uh, finances under control as a couple, then like something sneaky comes up and bites you, and you're like, wait a minute where did that come from? No, we didn't prepare for that. So how do we fight? That is really the question, right? Well, we don't fight that much, but we definitely do disagree on things. So me being the personal finance person, um, I I definitely think about money far too much. I'm definitely always looking for deals. I'm always talking about how, some, how much something costs or doesn't cost. It's just part of my everyday vocabulary to, so to an extent, um, Jeff has to really kind of ignore that, that aspect of me. Otherwise we'd probably get in a lot more fights, but then on the other, on the flip side, I also have to learn that, you know, somebody else is probably a little bit more laxed about these sort of things and not in a bad way, just in a like, okay, the focus isn't all on how much something costs. So I have to learn to bend and flex that way as well. So I think, you know, first you start with just a really general understanding of who you each are, right? Or that doesn't make sense. Who each of you are at the core, because you have to have some sort of grace and, um, really just embrace who the other person is, but then you also have to have a realization of who you are and what makes you tick. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes before you even get to the point that it's the money fight. But honestly, we really try to approach all of those disagreements, I will call them, with humor. And I learned something from someone a long time ago, and I think it is perhaps the best piece of advice that I can ever give couples. And that piece of advice was, you know what, if you're going to get in a fight, you got to take all your clothes off and you got to fight with nothing on because it's impossible. You cannot, you literally, I challenge you, you cannot fight. If you are both standing there naked, looking at each other, um, you just start laughing. I mean, it just, everything becomes super silly and you really forget what you're fighting about. So we use we use situations like that. We use all sorts of humor. We put on music. We suddenly declare that there's a dance party. Um, whatever we do to diffuse the argument, it is always done with humor. And, and that is really, I think, the secret to a strong marriage, to not fighting about these sorts of things, is to um, find some sort of something that works for you, whether it's the, hey, let's... Let's just, you know, obviously you can't do this in public. So I'm not encouraging this in public. This obviously has to do behind closed doors, but whether it's like, Hey, let's just, you know, take off all of our clothes and let's try and fight, you know, whether it's, Hey, we're going to put on music and do a dance party. Um, it's it's something silly, whatever it is that you can think of. Those are usually the best things that I have found that work at diffusing the money arguments. Obviously then you got to come back. And you got to talk about what was the problem. And I think, again, if you come to it with some sort of grace and some sort of humility and realize that you might not be all right, you might not be all wrong. And, you know, you really talk about, okay, what is the reason that we were actually arguing? Not what was it that we were arguing about, but what is the reason we were actually arguing? You can usually get to the bottom of it quickly and get the thing solved. Not that you're not going to fight about it again, But maybe it just doesn't become such a big deal. So I encourage you, use humor. It works. I promise you. I know you'll feel super silly the first time you you do any crazy um, idea like I just suggested. But I'm telling you, it works, Camilla and Rob. All right, so those were just three awesome, I thought, uh, questions that I wanted to tackle today. Please, again, feel free to submit your listener questions. Head on over to the website, um, hit the contact link, and send me your message. And I would love to um, shout out to you with some awesome advice and tips. As always, have an amazing Friday. You can follow me on Twitter and Snapchat at Shauna Game and Instagram at millennial underscore money.